0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Port Rare Podcast. I'm super excited about today's guest, Nigel Sylvester. I've known Nigel for going on over a decade. And we get into everything from the beginning, his early days in Queens, to the day he found out he was officially a BMX Pro, to his first Nike sneaker, um, to, of course, discussing his amazing Go series. So I hope you enjoy the show as much as I did. Enjoy and let me know what you think. Peace. <laughs> Good people. Welcome to the Paul Rivera podcast. I always say this at the beginning of a show. I say I'm really excited to have this guest, but I really, 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 really mean that uh, for a number of reasons, which we'll get into. Um, would love to introduce a man that needs no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. Um, Nigel Sylvester. Nigel, what's up?
1: I'm doing good. What's yourself, bro? Nigel,
0: you know what's crazy? When When I have someone come on the show, I normally do a little bit of research, which my producer, Eric, would say it's no research, but I do a little bit of research, but the easiest thing is always like title, right? So we had Draymond Green on the show, and it's like, you know, NBA champion, Olympian, blah, 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 blah. We had Shoe Surgeon on the show, you know, it's very simple. For you, which is what we'll jump right into, it's like, you don't just have one title anymore. It's not like (laughs) pro BMXer, like, you're you're doing so much more, right? But before we go into that, I want to start at the beginning. Queens, New York. Queens, New York, man. What was Queens, New
1: York like? young Nigel Sylvester running the streets? Oh uh, man, it was more than likely a bike around me at all times, <laughs> chasing someone around like trying to get them to like show me a trick <laughs> or riding around the block like trying to find an ice cream man.
0: And this is at an early age, like when did early. your love for BMX start?
1: Early man, like I actually seen a photo of myself recently, I was probably like two years old holding on to a bike, oh a bigger than me, I'm holding on to it, like my aunt had it from way back. And I was like wow. like. My love for bicycles started before I, did, before I even knew. Wow. Usually I was like, yeah, around like four or five years uh-huh. old. But seeing that photo, I was like, man, it happened before then, I couldn't remember that far back, mm. you know? So um started at an early age, bro, I was always about. To and where in,
0: que- where in Queens did you go?
1: Laurelton, Queens to be exact. Okay. So like, Laurelton's like, um, St. Albans okay. and Cambridge Heights and all that's like oh, over there.
0: So I don't know Queens super well. I know mm. it well enough to know there's a basketball court damn near on every other block, right? <laughs> Just like the rest of the city, uh-huh. right? Was there BMX influences around you? Because there's one thing for me to have a bike, mm-hmm. right? I had a bike with the bell. My shit was super not cool. Like <laughs> <the other shit. laughs> what kind I of bike like the, you had though, I right? like the bell. I mean, it's not about me. The show <laughs> isn't about me. Um, but your love for BMX, like where did it come? Like what influences? At that age, like obviously not at two, but at a young age, what made you pick up the bike and not a basketball or...
1: Mm. A bad, or? Well, like, we like we played ball, like, in the hood as well, you know I mean? Because okay. you said it was a basketball court in every park. Of course. Cats had, like, rims above, like, their garages, so, like, it was a basketball court everywhere, and we mm. loved playing football on the street, like, manhole to manhole. Mm. I would love that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, all my older cousins and friends and my older brother and stuff, they would get teams together and play, mm. like... You can bring it in. Like, yeah. our block versus this block, uh-huh. and I was, always, like, a little super young dude, but I was fast, so uh-huh. I would always, like... Cheers. chairs my dude. We always like play like football and whatnot, but it was something about, something about the bike that just had like this, this pull, this pull on me. Okay. You know, it, it, it just, it, it felt very natural, you know? Um, and I would say like around the age of like four or five when I was in my grandmother's driveway one day and I had like a big wheeler. And my older cousins like set up these cones. and was like, "Yo, man! Like ride right around the cones." And I was just like speed demon at, at an early age. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing that that big wheel as fast as I possibly can. And I was like doing like, little like drifts and slide outs in the driveway at, at four or five years old, and they were like super impressed. And I think from seeing how impressed they were with what mm-hmm. I was doing, and wanting their acceptance, being the youngest kid around, mm-hmm. I just like dove into it more and more. Man, you know?
0: And the more you dove into it, the better you got. Of I'm course, guessing, right? yeah, like- man.
1: Um, whether it was then like that, like that big wheeler graduated to like a 16-inch bike, and I was jumping like little curb cuts and like little ramps, like with this little-ass bike.
0: How old are you at this point?
1: Um, at this, at this point, on my 16-inch my bike, I probably had to be eight years old. Wow, you know, like okay. young, but I was, I was, I wanted it. Okay. you know, I mean like I, like I love the the adrenaline that that like came mm-hmm. along with it. You know,
0: and you mentioned your friends showing love and being impressed on the neighborhood kids, mm-hmm. um, a black kid BMX riding. Yeah. Um, in Queens, was it an anomaly? Was it like, you know, we're not used to seeing that? Or was it um, appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, that early Or did you notice there was no difference, it's just you're doing your thing?
1: At first, it was definitely appreciated and loved, because everyone in the hood had bikes. Whether you had, like, the GT with the mags, or the chrome mongoose, or the dyno. You're doing it big with the mongoose. Oh, man, you you know, you had (laughs) had, had that that, that bread. (laughs) You know, like, a lot of us didn't have that bread, so we had to get it other ways. But (laughs) if you had it, you know, it it, Mm -hmm. it was a vibe. You know, so, like, it was appreciated, like, to, like, that extent, like, having a dope bike in the hood. When I started to really take it on serious, where I'm like, okay, cool, now I want to get this. This high road, put four pegs on it, take my brakes off, and wanna jump down these stairs. That's when it became a thing. Was like, okay, nah, you a little bit of an anomaly, and mm-hmm. there was a few of us in the hood like riding BMX on that level. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, people just didn't understand it. They're mm-hmm. like, well, why, why would you want to take this bike and jump down these stairs? You can hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing people always think is getting hurt.
0: Um, I read somewhere, I think in an interview you did, that you said um, at one point early on in your guess you could call it your BMX career early on, that at least in the neighborhood it was perceived as like a white thing.
1: Yeah, dude. Talk about that a little of bit. Of course, because you got to think about growing up in Jamaica, Queens and in Laurelton, predominantly black mm-hmm. neighborhoods, the only kind of interaction that we had with BMX on that level, jumping off ramps and grinding handrails, we've seen the white boys doing it. So we automatically associated with that. So at that time, being like a young kid, and most of my friends being young kids as well, and people I looked up to in the hood, they were young, like they didn't think about three or four steps beyond, it is automatically associated with, oh, you're doing a white boy sport. Mm. Like, that's just what it was. Mm. It was a bit of ignorance, but that's just, that's who we seen doing it at, at, that t- mm. at, at that point in time. Like, we didn't see many like black kids or Spanish kids, like, riding BMX bikes and jumping. Right. And shit. Right. It just wasn't common like, right, at right. all, you know? So, I guess two
0: part question. One is, when do you realize, A, that you can be a pro, not you, but mm. that there's such a thing as being a professional BMXer, right? Mm. And then two, when does it click for you, like, I might have a shot at this?
1: Okay. Um, when I was, like, around, like, 11, 11, 12 years old, when I started to see BMX on TV, like, professionally, which is around the same time where, like, people started to be like, okay, like, that's the white boy thing, kind of same, mm-hmm. sa- same exact time. Um, I was like, okay, cool, these dudes are doing this professionally, like, they're... Traveling the world, at contests, you see them winning a contest, they have their prize money up, they holding a check out. 100 bands. I'm like, oh, this looks great, you know? I was like, this is what I wanna do. Like, mm. I wanna be a professional bike rider. And then, at the point where I was like, okay, cool, maybe I got have a shot, well, probably a couple years later, I had to probably be around like, like 14 years old, I was like, okay, cool. Wow. Like, I, I understood at that point that I was getting really good on my bike fast, where like, there were dudes in my neighborhood Is like, man, like you're getting good. And I'm talking about like, other bike riders who were like, into BMX. Got like, it. They were like, okay, you're getting good. I'm starting to do tricks that the older kids are doing. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Like, if I keep it. going, yeah. I may have a shot with this. You and know? at this
0: point you're taking it serious. Like, oh, I got a real shot. Like, oh, I'm it's taking
1: it serious. I'm taking it extremely serious, bro. Like every day, like summertime, morning tonight on my bicycle, get home after school, I may do some homework, may not, Mm -hmm. but I'm jumping on my bike. Mm -hmm. Wintertime, like, I remember my mom had bought me a video camera for Christmas one year. And I was like, "Bet I need to start filming myself so I can see what I'm doing. At this point, I'm riding, doing tricks, but cell phones don't have cameras on them yet. And like, none of my friends really have cameras, so I'm riding, but I can't see what I'm doing. I can just feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I begged my mom to give me a video camera. She got me a whole little setup, a whole little kit, a little small, like, mini DV, video camera Mm -hmm. with a tripod Mm -hmm. and I set the thing up in the the driveway and I remember just like, I remember at one point in particular it was like wintertime because after Christmas and I have the camera set up in the driveway and I'm using it at nighttime and I'm using the Christmas lights to light up the driveway so I can get (laughs) light on the camera and I'm in the driveway riding just trying tricks so I could film and see what I'm doing so I know what to work on working my technique man and I mean I was I've always been super dedicated like whatever put my mind to like I would not be stopped. Like I have to accomplish that.
0: And parents supportive all along. At what point did they realize it's a silly? You know, were they like it's a silly thing? You like to ride your bike? I think a mm-hmm. lot of times, like our generation, I'm a little older than you. Our generation, our parents were like, didn't necessarily understand that we could turn a lot of our passions into actual careers.
1: Definitely. Did man. your
0: parents see that early? That your mom?
1: They accepted the fact that I was riding my bike, and it seems keep me out of trouble for okay. like, for the most part. But you also got to realize that I'm a first generation, so. Like, my parents are immigrants. So like that's they, a whole separate that's thing. That's a whole yes. other thing. Yes. Like, are like gonna my be parents, a doctor, fam. Oh, that's it. Yes. Like, Dr. <laughs> Lloyd, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, my, yes. like my parents left Grenada at, in their early 20s to come to America, left their families, left their home, mm-hmm. left everything they knew to come to America, this new place. To
0: give you that opportunity,
1: Thinking right, opportunity. of course. So, when, so when I'm riding, like, oh, okay, like, cool. As long as you're in school and getting good grades, you can go and ride after and whatnot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, that, like, that part was cool. It wasn't until I had to make a, a choice between Embracing being a professional bike rider seriously and staying in school when it got when it got crazy Got it.
0: And then so we go from 14 year old 15 year old Nigel getting really good Mm -hmm. on his bike How do you become a pro?
1: Man, so Around um, uh, I think it was 10th grade. I met this kid named Therese and I always tell this story because like it was serious Like the moment in time when my life changed completely Met him in a hallway in in, in uh, high school, went to Benjamin Cardozo High School. She had a good basketball program. Cardoso, yeah. Yeah, what's, a, what's the coach's name? Uh, Clario. Clario. The Ronnie I mean, went yes. there, too. The Clario, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, met, I met him in the hallway in the, during passing. He told me about Union Square. He was like, yo, Union Square, bro, is a spot that all the bike riders go to meet up, all the dope cats in the city. So I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's why I need to go? I'm going there. So I remember like taking my bike and stashing it at his house, and I left school early one day, grabbed my bike, and went to Union Square. I couldn't go back to my crib.
0: And up to this point, now so I just started to interrupt you. Mm. You don't know that these places
1: exist where it's like really
0: good, real riders doing their shit. The
1: only spots I know exists is a skate park, two skate parks, one in in the Bronx near Yankee Stadium called Malales, and then one in um, on 108th and Riverside. Okay. All the way uptown. Okay. You know what I mean, so coming from Queens to go there—that's gotcha. a troop Yeah, hell yeah. You know and
0: you know, know I mean? you're good, but you haven't necessarily rode.
1: Yeah, I haven't really rode right, with, with the like, cats. Yes, who doing to really it. judge yourself mm-hmm. and see where where yeah. I really am. At okay. At this point, it's still like neighborhood shit. Gotcha. Like, at this point, I'm better than all the cats in my neighborhood. Gotcha. Like, like, this is cool, but I need to be challenged. Got you, Yep. You know, so I remember. That I couldn't go back to my house, so I had to leave my bike at his house because my mom worked night, so she was home during the day. <laughs> so I was like, hey, cool, if I go home, and I grab my bike, and I'm coming home super early from school. She'll know something's up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get ass open. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So let me stash my bike at Teresa's crib because his mom <laughs> works during the day. I could grab my bike and go to Union. So I did that. Went, went to Union for the first time, and as soon as I got out of the subway, man, like right to Union Square, all I see is a bunch of cats riding bikes, and then nasty, like dope black kids, Spanish kids, white kids, all walks of life doing that riding nasty, bro. And there was a few pros at the time who grew up in New York City, like, like from New York, and they was out there too. Okay. So like, it's pretty much like you pulling up to West Fourth or the Rucker mm-hmm. and like, brawling them out there. Like, it's yeah. that, it's yeah, that yeah, level. So, like, so like, you're, you're like, oh you're shit, like, this yeah. is it. Okay, I'm like, Oh, Let's see shit. what it is. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, it's like the top of, like the top of the like top riders in the game are at Union Square, chilling, because it was just a spot to be at. And I remember like, just be like befriending them, and th- that first night I was super quiet. I was like just observing. Like, okay, cool, I'm here. I need to like mm-hmm. play it cool. Don't want to do too much. I, I, I don't think I even rode that night. I was so <laughs> nervous. I was just like I don't even want to like do too much. But they were hella cool, and th- like they embraced me, and we like befriended one another. I remember, and I started hanging out with them. And at, from like the age of like 15 to when I turned pro, like it was every day on it. Like learning the game from them like whether it was writing stuff or like the business side of it or just how to conduct myself as a, as a young man within the BMX industry, Got it. all of it was super important. I was just soaking everything up, you know? Got it. So what's that moment like?
0: Because we know we're very familiar with, you know, I'm using air quotes, like traditional sports, like you go to college for a year and you go to the NBA draft and a team calls your name and you sign yeah. a contract and you're a pro, right? Mm-hmm. Football, what's it like to become a pro? What's that process like for a BMX kid?
1: Well, um, there's a different way you can go about it like a lot of times where uh, you come up in like the contest circuit And you ride a bunch of contests and you finally get a chance to ride a professional contest um, And you make place really well and a company's like listen We want to put you we're to turn you pro and the sense of how how, like, how I came up and a lot of dudes in New York Come up. It's it's kind of like a, you have to get that cosign, you know So I feel yeah. it's even it's, it's, it's even harder in a sense because yeah. you, you have to impress certain people and not just with your bike riding skills like who you are as a person. Yep. You know, um, so for so for like for me in particular, there were a, f- a few pros, a dude named Edwin Della Rosa, a dude named Tyrone Williams, Fanny Salmon, Bob Sherbo, like these dudes were like the pros at the time and they wrote for a company called Animal Bikes. And those dudes after hanging out with me for a few years I'm like cool, like you can hang. They co-signed me, and I got signed to Animal Bikes as a professional bike rider. Oh, well, what was that moment like when you tell your moms? Like oh, it, was cra- it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Because so much happened at one time, P. So, like, there's also a dude named Glenn Milligan, who was this amazing videographer. And he grew up in Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay. And he moved out to L.A. because that's where the BMX industry is the most popular. You can ride your bike all year in right. L.A. So a lot of companies are out there. It's more space for warehousing and stuff mm. like that. He moved out to L.A. He was working for a media company called Ride BMX. And they would do videos like twice a year and he came back to new york to do a video and that was the first time i got put in like a legit video Um. and working with him and working with other pros like it became a thing was like cool it was understood that i was the next one up If i kept doing my thing i'll be the next one up um and he we had did a video called flip side and at the at the time the, 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 the concept was to take four up and coming bmx street riders and take four like big time pros and kind of like swap worlds for a second. Like they come and ride in riding our world, we go around in their oh, world. Dope. And on that trip, I met Dave mirror RIP. And piece, yeah. for those of you who don't know who Dave Mira is, Dave Mira is like the greatest of all time Legend. BMX rider. Yeah, 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 like he's, he's like the MJ of, of yeah. BMX, you know? And I met him and he already kind of like knew about me from like word of mouth and we met on that trip and he was like, cool, I'm starting this program and I'm thinking about signing you. To, to a professional deal, and I was like, okay, cool. Like again, like not getting too excited. Like what you were inside to say. But inside, hey, I didn't, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, all right, dude, okay. <laughs> um, but then I got, I, I got back home after that trip, and later that summer, then I had just turned like 18. I got a phone call one day from him, and he was like, yo, listen, you know, we had a conversation. i have been seeing what you've been doing, and I want to sign you to a deal. And I was like, okay, we're back. Wow. And that, and they, that was actually the moment where I turned pro. And then Animal Bikes co-signed me after that. Wow. I got signed all to Nike all at once, all, all wow. at one time, oh, and dude. Nike all at one time, dude. Wow! So like that that summer changed my life completely. Wow! Like that was the moment where it really changed me.
0: Uh, I always tell the story like when I got my first like real job mm-hmm. um, was at Nike, which at this point was like over a decade ago. And I remember them offered me the job, and it was like it was like seventy thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I called my mom, like, Mom, we did it, baby. <laughs> made it. You could retire. <laughs> well, I thought 70000 was going to yeah. have us riding into the sunset. <laughs> but you're so happy about the opportunity, course, right? And it's and, and, and you're absolutely right. It is life-changing. Mm-hmm. It may not be in the monetary sense at that very moment, but you know if you handle your business correctly, it could be a launching pad on for... The way? So it's funny. So that's where our paths cross, right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> Nike. I remember... Um, being they used to have like these end I don't know if they still have them they used to have these end of year sales meetings in Portland and each category would come out and like you know kind of show off their like bright, their shiny <laughs> new toy of what the new next year is going to be about whatever and there was this new category called 6.0 yeah
1: all
0: right um which was like the coolest not not to say Nike's not cool but the coolest non-corporate looking kind of thing like the people that worked for the brand looked like they rode and looked yeah. like they were skateboarders whatnot and they introduced, <coughs> I want to say a skater, and may have been P-Rod, you may know mm. better than I would, a young lady that was a skier.
1: Mm. It was
0: um, Yeah, a young yeah. lady, and she was young. She might have been like 16 at yeah, the time or something like that, right? You guys were babies, yeah. like, yeah. and they were like from Queens, New York. And I was like, at this point, I'm like a little checked out. I'm like, what time is <laughs> dinner, man? I'm hungry. <laughs> and they're like, Queens, New York? And I was like, says
1: like, <laughs> Queens?
0: Crazy. You come out to in the interview, and I was like, oh, like, he's from like my city, whatnot looked into it a little more. At that po- at that time, it's when they had done the Six Point c- campaign, yeah, right? So you were like retail campaign. all over mm-hmm. the place, whatnot. And I remember, I never told you this, I remember telling someone, I'm like, that kid looks like a model. Like, half the people probably don't even know he really rides. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He just has the look <laughs> of like the crazy. culture of like yeah. how he dresses the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So to see how that's evolved, um, talk a little bit about like Nike and like what that was like. Because I remember having conversations with you about and you've never said this i don't want to put words in your mouth i almost feel like you were too early for them. <laughs> i almost Crazy. feel like you and like mm. bmx was like mm. a little earlier than they were ready for so mm-hmm. it was like they knew you were dope and hot out in the streets i don't know if they necessarily and i say they i was there for this mm-hmm. i don't know if they necessarily knew how to like yeah like get it popping and put their muscle
1: behind you no of course and and it was definitely early i mean it was definitely early in the game i remember that day like you're talking about i actually seen the photo recently it was um, Mark Losey and myself on stage, Ooh. and Mark Losey was mm-hmm. the dude responsible for signing me to, to Nike. I think I had like a gray sweatshirt on, like a <laughs> blue Yankee hat. Because at that point I wouldn't, I refused to leave New York when I would have a Yankee New York, hat. Baby. Yeah, always, bro. Like, it was the thing. was like the rite of passage. Like, I had to have it with me all the time. I'm like, wherever I'm at, I'm rocking my hat, you know? I remember that. I had someone, I had seen the photo of me on stage and everything. But it was cool, yeah. man. Like, 6.0 embraced those action sports at the time where a lot of big companies weren't embracing the, those action sports. So mm-hmm. it was a great opportunity. Um, that program kind of came to an end because I guess I think it was a little too early mm-hmm. and they were trying to figure it out. Um, but fortunately enough, they like, they, they seen the value in the BMX program and they re-signed this, like a, a different type of, I guess, program structure. We became mm-hmm. like Nike flag, I think it was, mm-hmm. man. But um, Nike's always been, um, a great supporter of mine, man. Thinking back, thinking about it now, I've been signed to Nike for thirteen years, bro. That's nuts. Like that is crazy. that's crazy. You know nuts. what I mean? Like and they've always been, um, they've been like they've been very, like very supportive. You know, I think it definitely took time for them to figure out how to actually like activate me in, in mm-hmm. certain ways. Um, but they definitely took like chances on me. I can remember um, for the '08, um, I think the Olympics, they did a uh, Beijing. Mm-hmm. That was my first time where I was featured in like a global campaign. Mm. It was wild, man, where it's like I remember like, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I remember I had like bought some brand new like APC denim cuz I went to a photo <laughs> shoot. i oh, <laughs> got some new denim, <laughs> i bought a of denim and we, and we and we shot in Queens at the mm. um, at the globe and I was like, "This is dope." But I, at, at that point, I didn't know what it would turn into.
0: They're so like, "Hey, we have your wardrobe here." You're like, yeah, you "No know, like, wardrobe. What? I'm wearing." <laughs> yeah, like, I got like, ready. <laughs> like, it was like, "Hold on, three of the same jackets. <laughs> yeah. Why?" Like, yeah, I didn't even yeah. like. I didn't get it at that point.
1: <laughs> um, but shortly after, we flew to like we flew to Beijing for the like like the opening of the Olympics, whatever that was. And we did like a little like demo in this big like empty like warehouse with a bunch of media and stuff. And we came back from that trip, and that was the first time I. Got a billboard in New York City, uh-huh. you know, like Nike like went out of their way and got me a billboard on, on uh, Houston and West Broadway, uh-huh. and like that was such a moment for me, bro. Because I didn't know it was, I didn't know they were putting a billboard up, but one of my friends he lived on West on West Broadway in Houston, and he opened his window one day into those blinds. He woke up one more and, more and opened his blinds, and he seen that there. That's crazy. He hit me right away, and i like, bounced out from Brooklyn and came to New York, came to, to the city and seen it. I was like, this is crazy. I remember like bringing my mom there one day. And like, that was the moment where it clicked for her. It was like, okay, you're doing something now, mm. you know? Um, so it was, it's, been, it's been a hell of a journey with Nike, bro.
0: And you've always, you've always been, at least in my mind, um, a little bit of an anomaly, mm-hmm. right? Like just given the sport, given the, some of the things you've mentioned, like the East Coast, you mm-hmm. know, not being white. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think for me, one that honestly, I think didn't click till it was a conversation you and I had, you don't compete, mm-hmm. right? So even that—that's so non-traditional. Like, what? Talk to us a little bit about like that, right? There's traditional competitions that you see on ESPN, mm-hmm. the Ocho or whatever Yeah, it is these days. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah you know, <laughs> like, and then as cool. you like, I think like you've created your own land of like a lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, you could speak to it way better than I can. Nah,
1: no, of course. I mean, like you think about it, like looking at BMX being a non-traditional sport, and then me not competing within that industry. But doing my thing with content and like the like mm-hmm. lifestyle. I'm um unconventional within this non traditional sport. It's like a double like kind mm-hmm. of uh, anomaly like yeah. in a sense, you know, 'cause you, at that point, like most of the top BMX riders they were like competing in contests. There was a few, like there were a few who weren't. Some of the names I mentioned earlier, like some of those dudes were top of the game and weren't competing. But I think the difference for me came was with the type of brand partnerships that I had at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like being signed to someone like Dave Mirra, like riding for Nike, being signed to someone like Beast Badre mm-hmm. in the early stages of that, you know, I was signed to LRG for a minute. Um, shout out to Woody who rolled the dice on me, it was like, cool, we're gonna <laughs> to try to see what happens, you know, like, there was so many like big brands who were like like in partnerships with me and people didn't understand it. It was like, well, how, how do you not compete? You're a BMX rider, which we don't really understand. We know we ride bikes, right. but right. we don't really understand all the intricacies of it. And then you have all these amazing brand partners, what's going on mm-hmm. here. So I think like it had some it it definitely at the early stages it had this allure to it, but people were still so confused. Mm-hmm. You know? Um luckily for like social media, YouTube and like at that point Facebook and MySpace was going down at that point. Um I was able to control the story. I was able to put out the content that I wanted Very to Very important. Yep. Very important. And even at that stage, like, I don't even think we even called it content at that point. <laughs> that, right, like, right, right. That word wasn't even used to re- right. to, re- to refer to videos and like photos at that point. Yep. it was just videos and photos. Yeah, it was just videos, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was like, That's just what 100%. it was. You because know?
0: up to that point, there was videos people put out from like a tour or whatever exactly. it was. Exactly. Your content was way different, and there was way nothing different. like what you were putting out.
1: No, it was way different, and like people didn't like, people didn't care about it. I don't even really think at that point brands understood what digital marketing was at that point. You so, know? so I'm gonna
0: tell you a story which you know probably 70% of it, because you and I were involved in it. So, for you listeners, viewers, at the time, I had left Nike and went to Beats. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a conversation, yeah. and I was managing all sports marketing globally, and you were like, hey, I'm trying to get out with Beats, mm-hmm. just wanna have a conversation, I have my thing cooking, you already had mm-hmm. your Nike deal, you were mm-hmm. already smoking, and I was like, yeah, I already, coming from New York, having built up a friendship with you, I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense, Beats mm-hmm. being anti-establishment, and all these things. So at the time, I'm literally working on my Beats global sports marketing strategy, and like I have like a LeBron James plan. Mm-hmm. I have like, was um, it Niaja, mm-hmm. Houston, Houston plan, yeah. right? Competing and winning mm-hmm. everything and whatever. Uh, we have Serena. We mm-hmm. have, I believe, Neymar, and mm-hmm. then I have like Nigel Sylvester. So my boss at the time is looking through it. He's like, "Yeah, cool. Listen, I brought you here to do whatever you want to do." who's Nigel Sylvester? <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is dope kids, yeah. BMX here. He goes, BMX? Like, he couldn't yeah. even wrap his brain around. He was like, mm-hmm. you know what, do whatever you want. Like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and then that leads to, I leave soon after, mm-hmm. but you're in yeah. commercials, you're doing your Definitely. thing. Like, they got it. You know, kudos to Beats. Like, they oh, got man. it. And I think, you know, you mentioned your, your, your brand partners or sponsors. I think real kudos to them that the ones that have worked at a really, really high level have been the ones that have Bought into you mm-hmm. and trusted in you and your vision, and have been like, all right, you know what? We don't have this master plan necessarily campaign that we want to fit you into. How can we support you? Mm-hmm. And then you got high and popped, and it's like, oh, we have this master campaign that we yeah, can kind of also do this. So it's kind of been yeah. like you've literally crafted, you know, created your own lane, um, you know, in a very unorthodox way, which leads me, you know, to go, mm-hmm. right? Um, tell people what go is, if they've been under a rock <laughs> and, and don't have internet or, well,
1: or anything. Well, th- thank you for the piece of art, I remember. The, like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, like, Kawhi Mike and I were, like, in front of, what, are you were there, we ran into you in front of the acting store and brought yes, on Yes, you just chilling. And we under, we yes. were trying to, like, yes. figure that out, yes. like, it's so, mysterious ways, yeah, right? like yes. it's so crazy. Yeah, like, it's so crazy, man. I believe, like, things happen <laughs> for a reason, man. Um, definitely, but um, it's, it's, it's been one hell of a ride, and i am definitely preached about the brands who, who've believed in me for so long, you know what I mean? Um, but as far as like, what Go is like, Go is. Uh, it started off as just a small idea that Harrison Boyce and I wanted to create a video that we controlled. At that point, I was doing a lot of branded content, and I wanted to create a piece of, uh, a piece of content that I controlled everything. We wanted to have full control and not have to like fit into any boxes or check off any, any checklist. So like, we, like, we did this first episode in New York, and I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just bring people into a day in the life. Mm-hmm. Um, but but how do we like do that on steroids? <laughs> so it was like let's shoot the whole thing from the POV perspective. So we put a camera on me. It was like cool. We're gonna give people the true perspective of what it's like when I'm riding my bike through traffic and whatever it is may be. Then I was like, well, how do we cram in everything I do in one day into like a five minute video? I was like, cool. Like, let's let, let's use these seamless transitions to get from midtown to Harlem. So we don't have to show the complete journey. We can just kind of kinda jump forward, but but keep it exciting and 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 make it creative. So we said, okay, cool, we put this video together. It took us all of summer 2015. We began, I think we began in like end of May and we didn't finish till, I think it was like right before my birthday, like middle of August. And at the end of, at the end of that like, time period, we had this video that we felt very, very good about. We didn't really show anyone because we didn't really want any opinions. Like, no, we mm-hmm. believe in this thing, we're gonna do it, it. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna put it on YouTube. And we put it out on YouTube and the thing like took off and went viral. Like people loved it. I felt like at that point in time, there wasn't anything online that looked like that. And it, and it, and it, 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 it raised the bar for me from, a, from an artistic and a creative standpoint because I was thinking way outside the box that uh-huh. I normally think It's way, it became more, way more than just a bike trick or like telling how I did a trick. It became like, this is the story of my life. Uh-huh. You know, and, that, ser- and like that video turned into a full series, which is the ghost series now, which we've been like more than halfway around the world and the idea behind taking it beyond just New York, we wanted to tell the story of me being a kid from Queens riding my bicycle around the world. Simple as that. Mm. But how can we position it in a way that would make it entertaining and like really tell the story of everything I've done up in my career up, up until this point, the people who I communicate with, who I interact with, the places I see and how I see those places. Love it, you know?
0: love it. Um, I, I have maybe a fun fact, maybe a question, I'm not sure which one it is. I think I'm in the first go. <laughs> really? Which, I'm not sure if it's like a different content piece. Mercer Street, mm-hmm. you go into the Mercer store,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I dap you. Is that a different oh, content no, piece?
1: No, that is um, that is the Gatorade Gold Day video. Uh, That's see? What, like, that was like pre-go. Good, because <laughs> it,
0: if it was go, my lawyers were online too. I know I didn't sign any releases, so we were going we to figure it out offline. I wasn't really stressing it. But I know we did something. And oh, it was just kind of my way of trying to get in, like, one of the next that, goes. But I we'll got talk got about you, that bro. again again later. So you, even you, I mean, first of all, congrats on all the success of Go. Honestly, sure. like, it, it looks, you just touched on it, it looks like nothing else out there. Nah, yeah. right? um, you. You've done an incredible job in me doing what I do in my day-to-day life of working with brands every single brand out there is trying to do what you've accomplished with, bro, with Go mm-hmm. in the sense of like connecting sport to culture, mm-hmm. all right, in an authentic way. And I think the way you've done that is, is seamless and, and like I said, I think the fact of hearing where it started to where it's gone and yeah. who knows where it'll go but I mean, it has you icy, clearly. Yeah. I don't know if you can zoom a, in a, on, a on a the things. ice, it's just, you there. know, has my <laughs> man icy over here. So what is your, um, what can you tell us about the next Go? Or at least what can you tell us about what your hopes are for, for Go
1: as just a series? No, definitely. So, like, Go is turning into, like, a full-out, like, lifestyle travel brand at this point. Like, beyond, like, we're going to continue to do the content. But beyond that, like, we have, like, merch coming out. We have, like, Love it. we have certain events guys that we're going to do, like, during the summertime. Um, and like the brand is just really embracing like young, old, whatever you know. What I mean, people who are just ambitious, people who have dreams, people that love what they do, whether it's a conventional idea or a non-conventional idea. Like we want to embrace those people. Whether you're traveling from New York to Tokyo or you're traveling from Queens to Manhattan for like your nine to five, like this is it's a it's a journey in between those like those two points. Mm-hmm. It's a story to be told, and and I guess in this. Uh, uh, attitude that goes along with when you, whatever you're trying to accomplish. So really, you want to like create this brand for those people. Um, so that's like the future of Go. We have some more content coming out this this year. We're gonna do the seventh installment of Go. Wow, seven already. Seven, bro. It's crazy, crazy to think about it, man. We've mm-hmm. been New York, LA, um, Tokyo, Miami, Dubai, London, Paris. We that's crazy. This thing all over the world, man, and like people love it, man, and just seeing how people react to it. And just reading some of the comments on the YouTube, like man, like every time it gets better and better. The fact that people are like noticing that, man, and it's very fulfilling, you know. And as and as the team grows as well, we just want to take go to like the next level.
0: Now, what's that team look like? I mean, you're always, you know, you're one of the humblest guys I know. Um, what type of support do you have mm-hmm. behind you, and whether it's. You know, you personally as the Nigel Sylvester brand or the Go brand, like, how
1: big's your team?
0: Big, small, pretty, am I pretty looking at it, like, <laughs> in the pretty room? Like pretty <laughs> nimble teams,
1: you know what I mean? We have um, Danielle, who's, like, with me, like, every single day, and I'll call her at any time of day. Like, I have this idea, let's like, try to make it happen, and she's, like, down for the cause, which love I love. Um, we have Harrison Boyce, who's, like, director and one of my best friends um, of the Go series. Um, and Other than that, just friends who really support me, love you man. know, and family who, like, support me, you know and you know, it's sometimes people come in and out of the fall depending mm-hmm. on the project, but that's mm-hmm. like the core of it, you know?
0: I feel like you've had like numerous lives, where right? I feel like hearing you talk about like pre-Nike, right? And mm-hmm. then like the Nike look was a big look, right? And all that came with it. And then I feel like, you know, I ran into you at one point where you were like, I think it clicked for you where it was like, I have support, but I got to do this shit on my own. Right, I got to really make this bubble on my I own. You we know? sat over here, right? Over yes, I had the, the conversation, right, about like, mm-hmm. hey, I need to take, this to take this to the next level, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I've always admired about you, that um, you've never rested on, like, your success. So mm-hmm. like Most kids would be like, I got to deal with Nike, I got yeah. free kicks, whatever, you know, so I feel you're like pre-Nike, Nike, then I won't call it a lull, but like, you put the brand on your back, yeah, right? Definitely. And then Go popped, and I feel like that took you off again to another life. But then something happened where it was like lightning in a bottle, and like this footwear shit started happening Crazy. where it was like, you know, the Jordan pop. Talk to me about like how the Jordan won, like
1: Damn,
0: that doesn't happen, like
1: Crazy man. Like there was it was t- kind of touch back on that logo. I think those like those moments are important to talk about. It's not just, everything isn't just shiny mm-hmm. and glossy. There were times where like I was bummed in my career. I was like, mm-hmm. man, like Things aren't going the way I wanted to go. Like, how do I kind of take a step back and reset? And I'm very thankful to have like mentors and people like, you, know, have to, like, come, like you have that I can like your Pet going to come and talk to you. Mm-hmm. And just even that one talking and that advice you gave me like probably did so much for me. You know, because um, I was definitely at a spot where things were just things were rough, man. You know, like, yeah, no. Just, yeah. And we all that like, no yeah. one ever
0: sees those times, right? Exactly. Because on the gram, you don't you don't see those. <laughs> it's like you just see like the bottles popping, Everything right? Like, shiny on the gram. But to your point, you need those lulls. To set no, you course, up, you man. know, like at,
1: at the time from the outside looking in, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm signing a miracle, I'm signing a Nike, I'm in a Gatorade deal, I'm pulling up to the MTV Awards of Forever. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like, you couldn't have like, bigger looks. Shit like, was crazy. Yes, you know I mean? Yes. Like we signed the G Shock and all the brands that were supporting me at like mm-hmm. at, at, at that time, you know, it was amazing, but it still wasn't right. I didn't feel fulfilled. Like the things I was putting out creatively wasn't, I didn't feel it, you mm-hmm. know? Um and it and it took those moments, I feel to get me to where I'm at now. J- jumping ahead to, like, the um, the footwork conversation. And we put out two shoes last year that both sold out like that. Insane. You know, like... How's
0: that happen? It's like, you're not new to Nike. Mm-hmm. You're not new to what you do. Right? Like, how's that conversation even, like, like, how's that conversation take place where it's like, we want you to design a Jordan
1: 1? It's crazy, man. Like, shout out to Frank Cook, man. He was a real advocate to have me come in and, like, design this shoe. And him and I, like, sat, sat in the lab and we cooked up the shoe I did was like cool. Like I ride in Jordan ones all day, every day. There's tons of images and videos and photos of me out there riding this Jordan one, and I always beat them up. They get they get distressed. So like let's tell that story. And I think that's one of the most important things I've learned throughout my, throughout my career. It's like how do you tell the proper story? How does it, how, how is it going to relate? How's it going to resonate? And that night when Frank and I decided that was the right story, I was like cool. Like this feels good. Let's go and like put this together. And we sat down and had a few creative creative sessions and. I was sitting in Harrison's, in Harrison's lab, we were editing Go, London to Paris, and Frank video called me and was like, yo, bro, we got this shoe, and he showed me the shoe and the video called him and was like, oh, I'm tripping, <laughs> bro, like, all the conversations we had for like the year and a half leading up to that point to see the shoe finally come mm-hmm. to life, man, I was like, yo. I was like, send it ASAP, mm-hmm. bro, like, mm-hmm. overnight it, sure. you know, That was, sure. like, overnight that now. Sure. <laughs> T- you know? Talk about
0: your rollout a little bit for that, because I thought it was, as everything else you do, super thought out, super premium, and just, um, you know, really out of the box. I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. shout out, like, any uh, partners that helped you with that, and I it was like, city to city and all these things, but talk about that
1: a little bit. No, of course, like, well, as I embrace more and more, like, this, of, like, this global, this, this, uh, travel yeah. lifestyle of mine, and, that's, that's super important in traveling. is one thing that BMX has afforded me, and I'll forever be grateful for. I was like, if I'm gonna put a shoe out, I want to go to two of my strongest markets. Like, of course, starting home in New York, but in LA, like I have so many moments that LA is responsible for. I remember my first time going to LA? I think it was like 17 years old. I wasn't even a pro yet, and I, I feel that's a second home for me. It's like, you know what? I wanted to do a shoe release, but I want to I want to release this in multiple markets at the same time on the same day. So I was like, yeah, let's do. A, a drop in New York in the morning time and a drop in LA at the night time same day and uh, we were able to Work with my, um, Nike of course Samsung, Mercedes-Benz helped out. We was able to put the whole thing together Shout out to Jordan Brand over there for believing in, in the idea mm-hmm. believing in the product. You know, um, we did a uh, we did that the, the, the New York drop at Kif mm-hmm. Shout um, out to Ronnie. So shout out to Ronnie for hold, holding it down. And then we did the LA release at RSVP and uh, and uh, in downtown LA, shout out to uh, Don C and, and uh, Easy for making uh-huh. that happen. Um, so, pretty much we started it in the morning. We started off at Kif, did the drop, and we sold a few hundred pairs. And then uh, we jumped on a on a on a jet, flew to LA. Sold another few hundred pairs at RSVP. You put the bike on the jet. But we did a we did a, a, a Jordan back and Co bike and put <laughs> bike in the chat, which is crazy. Like I'm tripping. I got like my brother with me, my uh, two best friends. Be. Like yeah. it was amazing, cool. man. But I think I think that I think the the community and the people seeing seeing that moment was important because it was more than just like me selling shoes. Like I was there from when the first shoe got sold to the last shoe. Yeah. You know, like I really wanted to touch the people in such an important moment for me. I wanted to be there to connect with people. I think people really seen that. Took every photo, signed every autograph. You know what I mean? Like. Spoke to the people like there was this one dude that impressed me so much at the um at the LA stop. This dude was in his, he was in a wheelchair. He was like, man, he's like, I'm so inspired by your shoe, by your story, by this moment. I want to stand up for you. Oh shit, dude! And like he's and like this dude's messed up, you know what I mean? And he stood up out of his wheelchair. He's shaking and he's holding on to me. But he but he was so moved to, wow. like, to like to like to stand up and, and and show me that. And I was like, man, like. We have it all, all on camera. It was such an amazing moment. Well,
0: that's when I let you know it's bigger than you, right? So much bigger than that. Because it's easy to get caught up in like the day to day and mm-hmm. things you got to do, and a lot of times we don't really have visibility or awareness of like the people we impact, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say we, when I say we, I really mean you. <laughs> no, <not laughs> we me. all love But
1: bro. you know, like so I th- that had to be a crazy special yeah, moment like, for you. I, th- I think that was that was probably more special than anything else that day, man. Like seeing that the things that I've been doing, how, how hard that I'm working, how hard my team is working. Like this kid to be that inspired to want to stand up out of his wheelchair and like, you know, like fight against whatever's holding him back. Uh You know, that was that was definitely touching, bro. I
0: have, you know, I take zero credit for any of this. It's more so like big brother proud of like that next generation. It's like a bunch of you. like I'm always super proud of anything I see you doing on the gram. I'm proud of, like, Cam and everything they do oh, over there. Oh, some are I'm proud it. of Raven and, love you know, it. her being on tour mm. and all that stuff. And even Ronnie, I'm all of I'm proud. It's like just, I just love the movement of all of it. Mm. I had another one of those moments with you, which you have no idea where I'm going with it. But on the ground the other day, I'm just scrolling on my business, and I see you at the Fendi show. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, my guy's out of <laughs> here
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, like, Them man. checks is different oh, now. I mean like talk to, how'd that it's go about? So talk to me about you being out there and Dude, it was it was crazy, man. Uh, Fendi recently started a, um, a platform called Ephes Fendi and it's a platform where like they embrace young creatives and, 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 and artists and athletes who are doing their thing, who of course are doing their thing in like their field but also like respect and are into like the fashion as well. Um, and we reached out to them and said listen we want to do a collaboration we want to come out we want to shoot a piece of content and they was like cool they were into it so we shot a piece of content that comes out soon and um, as we build more and more of like yes. we're having this, this show out, out, out in Milan you want to come and hang out I was like oh, how do we come out so I was actually in LA at the time doing like a bunch of shit and I was like no I'm gonna leave LA early come back to New York and then we jumped on a plane to Milan for two days to go to the show we sat front row and they showed up but love and flicked it up everywhere and whatnot, and it was a vibe, bro. It was definitely a vibe, and I, I think I was telling my mom, i like, yeah, I'm, I need to leave LA, and I'm like, tripping, I need to go to Milan for today's to fashion show. And it's like, what did I just say? She it was like, like, Who are <laughs> you? It was like what? I'm how's just, this normal? She how's was just like laughing normal? at me and, yeah, and, and yeah. joking with me and stuff, but it's great to be able to share those moments with her, and that keeps me grounded, you know. But um, it's definitely wild, and I'm definitely thankful, man, to think of like where I, like, where I came from, like mm-hmm. being like this BMX driver and in Queens, New York, to now, like, I'm shooting to Milan for Fashion Week for a couple of days, and then back home, you know what I mean, like, that's, that's crazy.
0: I thought through, when I saw the billboard, and you've had numerous ones at this point, but I saw a billboard, it's the one, like, you have the bike riding, you're kinda looking yeah. back, it's a great shot, I wanna great say it was over, like, Canal, maybe, I mean, it was, it was, I mean it was, you have multiple ones, yeah, so. It was, it was crazy, I apologize. That,
1: that was the most recent one, it was on 34th Street, mm. you know, and, like, that was probably the most, like, emotional one for me when I say like it, it really hit something inside because that was for the, the Just Do It campaign.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure you know like growing up like watching all the Just uh, Do It stuff, like that's the pinnacle. Yeah, like that's yeah, it. Yeah. You know and so like when they hit me up about that I was like of course like Just Do It. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's it. Like that's the mentality that I've that I've put into my career my entire life. Like not waiting for someone to tell me yes or no and not really following the rules, like making my own rules, you know, and again, like what the statement is, just do it. Um, so that, that campaign came out recently when they launched the 650 Nike store. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm up there like looking at it, like wow, like you got Braun and Odell and Serena and, and, and uh, Saquon Barkley and, it's like, and me, I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I remember man. seeing
0: it, I don't know if you remember, I, put, I saw it and it was such a proud moment for me just being your friend mm-hmm. and saw it and I took a picture of it and posted it on the ground. I'm like, mm. I'm like my little brother um, rode his bike out the hood. And hasn't <laughs> no, hasn't looked back yet. Been, hasn't I looked remember, back yet. And that's how that. I feel about you. It's like, you haven't looked back yet, man. Like, before I get you out of here, what can you tell us about what you have coming up, whatever you can share, what you're excited about, or what you're trying to accomplish,
1: that whether in sure. the short or the long term? No, of course, man. Like You can always expect I'm cooking something. I, mean, I, I, I still love the element of surprise in the digital age where everything kind of gets mm-hmm. leaked. I like to keep certain mm-hmm. things, but you can definitely look forward to the seventh installment of Go. Uh, we're going to do Go Africa next. Which is which is going to be a while. I'm we'll going to the motherland. No, for that I moment.
0: carry bags. I, can, I, do, I get in man. Bro. Listen, I,
1: I get in where I it. I'm very cameo, cheap labor. Man.
0: Very cheap labor. I'm a couch and some food, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. So,
1: so you um, got Go Go yeah, Africa. Yeah, Africa. Wow. We're going um, to continue that to build out the Go brands. You're going to see like way more coming from that on the power side and on like the event side. Um, we have some stuff of Fendi coming out. Of course, it's going to be dope. Got some more stuff from Nike coming out, and um, I'm making. Um, I'm making a pledge this year for National Bike Month. I am We're going we, we, to make a big, like, a, a big pledge to put more bikes in kids' hands who so don't have the opportunity to have bicycles. That's Very, very important to me. I'm working with Cycle Kids, which is a organization, a, a nonprofit organization here in New York. Okay. And um, they're dedicated to putting bicycles in underprivileged kids' hands and also teaching like bicycle education and like health and fitness and stuff like that. So um, that's something I'm very excited about for the month of May, because I understand and I realize how much the bicycle changed my life, Uh. the confidence it gave me, um, the freedom that it provided me Uh, in in a sense so I'm able to get on a bicycle and ride anywhere in this world and using that tool to make my dreams come true. It's important that I pay that forward and try at least to put that in other kids' hands, or other people's hands, you know, like bicycle is one of the most accessible like most transportation in the world you know like so much could happen just from that so that's something i'm really looking forward to
0: so i love it um where can people go whether it's social handles or site to learn more about what you have coming up or just to keep kind of
1: no for sure um just like at Nigel sylvester on any like instagram twitter facebook anything like that and then um the website is onlygo.co onlygo.co and, uh, you can watch all the go videos okay. and behind the scenes photos and all that stuff um a lot of great um, imagery up there. Love yeah. it. Hove has one of the best
0: lines to me, and I'll paraphrase. He says, uh, I'm not a rapper, I'm a hustler. It's so <laughs> just what happens, rap's my hustle. <laughs> yeah. You're not a BMX guy, man. You're a hustler, <laughs> and I mean that in the ultimate compliment <laughs> I can. Backs. Keep hustling, keep making us proud, man. Thanks yeah. for coming by. You got to come back after Go Africa. Oh, no. Nah, well, we're going please. on Go Africa, yeah, so going. we'll be back. As, as, as a <laughs> team. <laughs> we'll be back. My brother, thanks for coming back. Very proud of you, <laughs> man.